<laughs> and we are back with the Penguin Book of Japanese Short Stories. Today, we're covering The Smile of a Mountain Witch by Oba Minako. I feel like I have to smile the whole time. Yeah, just get real creepy with it, like, hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, let's start with the Yamamba. I don't know a lot about them, but I, I mean, they've popped up every here and there. H- have you heard that term before? They drop it in the narrative, but I don't know if you knew that that, that is playing with Japanese folklore. That's definitely the feel to it. And I think that Japan, very mountainous area, and of course, were more traditional thinking foresty. So I, I think there's a good comparison there that that somewhere in an unknown region that is remote, that is not a, a, an urban area, but a rural setting, that that's where the evil lies. I think that's very, very stereotypical in most uh, societies or you know areas, regardless if you're in the West or the East. Safety in numbers, safety in people, right? So, all right, so where do we go with this one, right? Because the narrative is interesting because it's almost very, it felt honest to me the way that we open up with this, you know, we start with like, hey, we're telling the story about a mountain witch, right? And she's going to die when she's 62. This is what she's like when she's young. She can read minds, by the way. Why do, why do mountain witches always have to be women? Why do they have to be old and ugly and mean? It's, it felt like, then the author like injected part of her her thought process just directly into these opening paragraphs of just like yeah why does it have to be an old woman why does she have to be old and 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 I don't know like it's almost like she wanted to kind of like subvert the usual myth of the the Yamamba agreed when i read the story i also kept reverting back to these traditions or these stereotypes that i had in my mind and a lot of it probably lies with a European version of the Hansel and Gretel kind of story of the the big bad witch in her gingerbread house luring the children in. And I think that a lot of it comes down to power. And the only time that in, in medieval Europe or many other cultures, especially I think in Asian cultures, that women have been able to have power is when it's more of a supernatural venue and that that power corrupts them because women are supposed to be pure and they're supposed to be the good ones that take care of the family and they're the nurturing ones. And so if you aren't those things, the opposite of that is going to be this hideous old hag. And I I think that that idea persists through all cultures, not just Europe, not just Asian, but you see that time and time again, that the only time a woman is going to have power is if she's corrupted by that power and is evil as a result. And I think that says a lot more about society than anything else. I think that's an interesting take on it because clearly the the mountain witch with her ability to read minds, right, and it makes her mother angry with her, that she does have a power, right? Like the, the there's this Japanese term, oh, what is it now? I'm going to mess it up. I think it's called like kukio yome, like the idea that like you can read the room, like read between the lines, like, like understand the situation because, you know, Japanese is very listener centric, Right. It's your job as a listener to understand, not my job to explain it as the speaker. And with a mountain witch being able to read minds, well, she kind of breaks that wall where she can read between the lines because she can read minds. Right. So so how much of our society is frail if we're going to talk about power, I guess because of our ability to cover up and lie constantly, right? And if we think about how Japanese society is very subservient, um, 
very, you know, reading between the lines, there's a lot of times you don't say what's on your mind. Or you might think something and say the polite thing instead, or just subtly hint at what you mean. Well, if you had the power to read minds, that kind of shatters that. And every time you have an evil thought, every time you think of something bad, or you're angry at someone, there's no covering it up, right? Like you're instantly going to know. And, and how much does that shatter her, her ability to fit into society because she can absolutely just tell you what you're thinking and it irritates people that they can't have like this private sense of of interiority i think that's exactly it is if you don't fit into the mold and you don't fit because you can know what others truly think that's going to put you in a position that is going to ostracize you and that is the stereotype of the witch of the one that has the power over others because if you truly knew what people think could you manipulate them? Could you, you know, get them to do what you wanted? Definitely, because you would know their deepest, darkest secrets, and they could get away with nothing with you. And that it makes it very, very scary. Right. So she's the witch in the human world, right? Grows up. And it's interesting that the world teaches her to lie. Right? Because she can't just say, oh, mom, I didn't want that food. I threw it out at school. No, she's got to throw it out, but sprinkle some crumbs or leave the crust a couple of times and pretend that she ate all the food, right? She's society is teaching her that you can't tell the truth. So here she does. She has, okay, if we're using your term, the power, if she has strength in this ability to read between the lines and understand people and not have this fabric of, of lies of society covering up the truth, well, she turns it into a weakness, right? By covering it up by expending energy, right? She said, how many times did she say that she was just exhausted trying to like fit into everyone else's expectations? Like it's, it's tiring trying to be nice and polite and wear the right things and do things the way other people expect you to behave. Yeah. Going through life, always trying to do what other people want is exhausting. And I think here it comes down to who is the true monster then who truly has the power if she's trying to subvert who she truly is to be what the norm is are those the monsters that are crushing who this little girl is who this young woman truly is supposed to be because she doesn't fit their stereotype i think they're the monsters and that the the witch is a negative term that i think is thrown around lightly but it, it has grave consequences for this this young lady so she goes through the marriage. She has kind of like, it, it's it's very, you know, contemporary gender discrimination that happens there in terms of the man's expectations. He wants to be served. Uh, when it comes to the deathbed at the end, he can't even take care of himself, right? Like he, he needs her daughter to take care of him. Like the, the man's painted as incompetent and needs the strength of women, right? Like the, there's, there's certain, and there's a, there's a hidden strength within women in the story. But at the end, you know, you started talking about, you know, who's the monster here. She looks in the mirror and finally realizes, oh, there's the mountain witch, right? Her whole life she was young, her whole life she had energy, her whole life she had this power of reading other people's minds that she hid, that she covered up. She used energy to hide, to hide her strength. What does it mean that she saw the monster in the mirror at the end? in the context that her mother was a mountain witch and she could never communicate with her 
in the context that she says, oh no, I can't communicate with my daughter anymore either. That's the heartbreaking part of the story, right? Is And I, I guess as I get older, as a young man, I don't think I would understand this, but as I've grown older and magically my age, 43 is where a lot of, uh, you know, American men start to feel old is I get that. I look in the mirror and I'm not the same person anymore, literally and figuratively. I have gray hair. I My hair is thinning. I have wrinkles where they weren't before. And as we've talked about many times before, we're having these aches and pains that we don't have and that that physical is something else, but then beyond just the physical measure of looking in the mirror and seeing that I'm literally getting older is those connections, those bonds that you have with your family. Those were all that truly matter. That, that's all that truly matters in the end. And if you don't have those, what was the purpose then? And that's the most heartbreaking thing is that because of this power or that this this special ability, it has prevented the, quote, witch from having that normal life. Yeah. Well, there's some quotes in here that, that kind of back up what you're saying there, where it says, the greatest happiness for a human being is to make another happy. Which, you know, sounds nice. <laughs> but but I think when we think about the title of the story, the smile of the mountain witch, right? It ends with her kind of thinking, well, if I had grown up as the mountain witch in the mountains... Or if I had lived with the people down below, would it have made a difference? Right? Either way, she dies with a smile on her face, the same way that her mother does. What's that smile mean? Does that, is that smile connection? Did she actually reach her happiness? Is it she had her epiphany? What do you think that smile meant? I've been going back and forth about this because on one hand, I, I agree that maybe it wouldn't have made a difference. But on one other hand, I want to think that our choices do define us, that it would have made a difference if she had made different choices, if one person had been one compassionate to her. You know, we we are collectively, you know, a social species, and we are meant to look out for one another. And regardless of her power, her ability, uh, you know, her position, her, her gender, any of those things, if just one person, one person would have helped her, I think it would have made a difference. And I think that at some point she thought maybe it would be her children. Now, I don't know if that we could get into the argument of that, you know, children are not supposed to help their parents. Parents are supposed to help their children. That's a whole different, you know, argument. But I think that she thought that maybe her daughter would be the one to quote, save her, redeem her might be a better word. And it kind of happened, but didn't. And so she's content, but I don't know if the smile is genuine or not. Okay. I knew I was going to ask you there. I thought you got to there at the end. I was like, so is it an ironic smile? Cause you tend to have a more pessimistic view of literature. <laughs> I tend to be a little bit more optimistic, right? Whereas it's like, <laughs> you know, she finally realized that she made some other people happy. That was her purpose. And even though everyone's horrible and the husband just like didn't even see her as a person through the whole thing, you know, at least the daughter saw some happiness and uh, said that she could rest. So I don't know. There's, there's probably a couple different ways to interpret it, but uh, I, either way, I, I do think this is a heartwarming story. I love the challenge to the myth and I love the idea of, of, you know, how strengths can be weaknesses 
and the subversion of that trope of how we think that 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 would really give us true power. And I think it's a short little piece to say, where, where does true power lie in this? Is this lie in the strength of, of how they connected with others, truly making another person happy, uh, as opposed to the mythical superpowers that witches have? So overall, gr- great story, I think. Yeah, it captures like the horrific side of power, but the horrific side of society and humanity and and does a nice job of blending those two together of if we just cared about who people truly are, that maybe society could be better as a whole. That's kind of my takeaway of the morality aspect of this. And it was nicely done. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, let us know what your interpretation is of this piece in the comments down below. We're going to leave a playlist to other penguin book of short story talks down below look forward to hearing from you my name's been una peace peace